I'm gonna punish myself for political reasons. People doing the virtue signaling also makes it easier to feel like you hold more weight than you do. Most people are not visible enough on social media for their bad opinions to even be discovered by the mob. You don't only have to hide the fact that you're an apostate from Muslims, but you also need to hide it from the Christians because now they're out there on the warpath looking to crush the Muslims. Philosophers. Philosophers. All right, David, you brought a topic for us today. Yes, we're going to get right into it. Okay, so I had a topic this week. Political identities and people who change themselves to conform to them. Okay. Well, what what made you think of this topic? What inspired you? Okay, a particular news headline inspired me. Are you familiar with the name Ayan Hirsi Ali? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've listened to... Uh, Sam Harris. Sam Harris Who before. cannot stop talking about Ayan Hirsi Ali. <laughs> I haven't listened to Sam in a while, but it seemed like every one of his podcasts had to mention her at least one. It's like us in CGP Grey. Like, he just features in every episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's, like, fun to say. Like, it, it rolls off the tongue well. It is. It, there is a good rhythm to that. that mm-hmm. There's meter in that name. Um, yeah, that's a, that is very exactly, yeah. uh, appealing to English speakers. Okay, anyway. Which, good side note about that. If you're naming a kid, make sure make sure the name rolls off the tongue. It'll, it'll guarantee them success in life. That's if, true. If your name is clunky and difficult to say, people won't want to say it. And that might be like the edge that gets your. I mean, the reason Rockefeller was so rich is because his name is fun to say. That's true. Yeah, (laughs) that is so true. (laughs) Okay, so Ayan Hirsi Ali, for those who don't know, um, was affectionately called the fifth horseman of new atheism. Um, Okay. She is an ex-Muslim. I forget from which country. I think she's from Somalia. But go on. I don't know. Anyway. Um, okay. So the news headline. Uh, allegedly, Ayan Hirsi Ali has converted to Christianity. Okay. Why? For political reasons. What? Yes. Um, and no, nowhere in the news article or in, in uh, her statements did she say it's like any any like justification like okay here's why i changed my mind about this like i i was wrong right here's the argument that convinced me that god exists um and i love jesus now and whatever like none of that was said it was all about christianity is an instrument that we can use to fight islamism and like wokeism and whatever other political things that that she thinks is the enemy you know she's not the only person who i feel like has done something like this yes our good friend Kermit the Frog, yes, Jordan no, Peterson. I'm not saying your words, yeah, that guy, yes, Mister. I don't actually believe in Christianity, but yeah, yeah, Mister. Certain works of fiction are true, even though they never happened, right? Which is a literal quote from Jordan Peterson. Oh God. <laughs> so what about this? What do you? What are your thoughts about this phenomena of hmm? Well, I'm going to pick this belief. Pick. I'm going to choose this belief because political reasons. Um, in a word, cringe. Um, it. I mean, yeah. You're. Well, it's disingenuous, right? You're sure. not. You're not actually that thing. You are just calling yourself that thing as a virtue signal, essentially. Um. Well, okay. I guess people because people who think like me are Christians, right? So I'm a Christian. 
I'm going to probably devil's advocate this episode. Okay. All right. Okay, so I'll give you an example. I am not a Christian, mm-hmm. nor am I actually conservative. I would not politically identify myself as a conservative, right? And I feel like conservatives benefit from this more so than any other group because they take the position of tradition. It was like this, right? So anytime progressives, which in this case, I'm literally just meaning non-conservatives because I feel like you can dichotomize those two things. Conservatives want things to stay the same. Progressives want things to change, right? Like I'm just oversimplifying it. Yeah. Whenever progressives make a move in a direction in which you feel like it is wrong, you ha- I think there's a tendency to want to be conservative as opposed to be a different kind of progressive, right? Because mm-hmm. arguably, there should be progressives out there advocating for things that are just different than the other kinds of progressives that are like, for example, oh, and we do have those. We, I know, but only one of them gets to wear the hat of the official progressive. Well, yes, because the other ones are called bigots. Um, so, but my, my favorite example, TERFs. Yeah. They are a different progressive, right? They're feminists. They are. But they are trans-exclusionary. They don't believe that trans women are women. Correct. And that is not in the canon of the current mainstream progressives. Correct. So they instead get looked at as conservative for some reason. Or at least otherwise evil, right? Like, right. And, and backwards in some way, yeah. Even though, yeah, they're, they're also progressives. They're just progressing toward a different, a different ideal. So, good example. Like, I, while not being conservative, I am not a conservative, do not necessarily agree with the direction that a lot of progressives are willing to take things right and i think you're no stranger to this either um so in my political activism i am fine not identifying as a conservative and i'm fine not identifying as a progressive i would rather identify myself for the sake of any discussion as the belief that i'm trying to advocate for Mm -hmm. and we have there's the laundry list of names you can pick from of political ideologies to say no i am a advocate of this particular ideology and that's in the purely political realm Mm -hmm. right however in the personal life realm right so to give some examples and i guess i'm not going to dox myself here but like to give a little bit more insight into like some of my personal beliefs i tend to think things like sex work for example are bad but i don't think they should be illegal Mm -hmm. i'm still small government on things like this However, in my personal life, if I were to choose what to do in an evening, things that are of that nature, I don't care to do. So I end up in the same places that a lot of other people that think it should be illegal end up, mm-hmm. right? And so for the sake of getting our, getting on in my daily life, like if you had to ask me, where would I rather go? A church or a brothel? I would pick the church. The church, yeah. Even though I would, I don't want to go to either, right? I would still err onto one or the but other. I would, I would I, yeah, and I, I, I resemble that, right? I can get along with people in a church, right? <laughs> Correct. I don't think people in churches are necessary. They're not as obviously gross to me, right? To put it, to they're, put it they're more subtly gross. <laughs> they're subtly gross, <laughs> and I don't know. I also feel like there are plenty of people in. 
I feel like it is more likely the case that in a church, you will find people who also probably aren't wholesale on the belief system, but they're there for other reasons. Like, for example, I know plenty of people who did not go to church until they had kids. Mm -hmm. Because when you have children, your options for venues become rather limited. And all of a sudden, you start looking for family-friendly things. And churches are that. They are that in spades. And a lot of conservative institutions tend to be that way because these are indoctrination centers for their religion and religions love getting them in early. Well, you yeah. know, um, whereas I think even people that support sex work would agree that, yeah, a brothel is no place for a child oh, right. or a strip club or whatever. Right. So ideally, I would love for there to be places to congregate and to fellowship, to use conservative terminology, but not around the particular ideology that I'm opposed to, right? So I do find it easier to fall in there and go do those things. Now, I'm not a church attendee, but still, like, just to give an example, like, I, I find it more politically, I find it more personally convenient to support things that I don't agree with that yield a personal benefit to me due to how my political beliefs overlap. Mm -hmm. Now, is this dis disingenuous? Yeah, probably. Um, I don't know if it helps that I am honest about it. Like if someone were to ask me, you know, if I went to, if I were to go to say a church function, if you were to ask me, so why are you here? It's like, oh, because I would rather be here than at home or at any other place, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like what's going, and I, but maybe that's a bit different than what, well, I think it is different than what Ion Hersey Alley are yeah, doing. Yeah, you're not Jordan like making Peterson it part of your public identity though. That's true. Um, like be, being someone who spends a lot of their free time at church functions is still not the same as a Christian, even though there is huge overlap of, right. of those two. Yeah. And I do think it's, disingenuous um i also wonder though if and I, I guess i'm gonna keep being the devil's advocate here just to help drive this along i also wonder if those people find it like the it's being a lesser of an evil to do this for example i would rather empower something i don't like like i do not actually think that jordan peterson approves or thinks that wholesale christianity theocracy is a good thing mm -hmm. i don't think he would agree with that because i could easily see him 20 30 years ago arguing against you know the christian population because that was the population of censorship and mm -hmm. still is but less so about certain things i guess but it's just a marriage of convenience i guess Maybe. And it is more important to win the political battle, even if you're doing so. Like, it's a war, I think, is maybe one of the ways they see it. We're like, this is uh, the cringe phrase that uh, culture war. This is a cultural war, mm -hmm. i.e., these things are okay. Because I would rather form a posse. And, you know, at that point, when you're looking at things politically, it's easier to look at groups of people than it is to look at individuals and say, well, there's a very influential large group of people in the West that identify as Christians. And if you can add them to your roster of supporters, you get more weight. And in 
politics, especially in democratic politics, that matters. Well, okay, but I don't think that Egon Hersiali is trying to like run for political office, though. I mean, maybe she is, but I don't think so. But I think I think the thing is like, okay, she, okay, speculating, pretending to be a mind reader here. Certainly. Um, I I have a suspicion that okay, Egon Hersiali even it from the beginning. Uh, since coming out as an ex-Muslim, has been conservative, right? Now, obviously, Islam is also a conservative religion. Mm -hmm. Um, So I imagine that probably is a holdover from that, right? Um, Raised conservatively, left the religion on logical grounds, but kept to conservative political beliefs. Sure. And fit in with Western conservatives when she moved to the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, But always felt out of, like, as an outsider, because it is part of, it is essentially a part of the British conservative identity to be a Christian, at least in name. Um, and I, and I suspect that this is, this is purely just a, a, a move of social conformity, right? That, yeah, nothing, she hasn't changed her mind about anything, but is just now declaring a public identity to, to fit in with that crowd. Yeah. And that is cringe. Um, now that to be said, I am looking into her a little bit here. Okay. Um, she is a former politician. Mm, okay. I was gonna say this does strike me as a thing though that politicians do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there has not been a non air quote Christian U.S. president. Right. Right. They've all been Christians of some flavor, mm-hmm. but if you look into the personal lives and beliefs of a lot of these people, they're not very serious about it no um and if 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 they were to get up and give a sermon in a church a lot of people would like maybe you know exchange looks like "Eh." well the classic donald trump two corinthians (laughs) yeah gaff it's like uh you have never set foot in a church if you think that that's what it's called yeah (laughs) um but it's beneficial because that's a large enough voting base right like i can if you're running for public office in utah you better cozy up to the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints yeah you you better be an lds or you better be lds approved you know Mm because it's important um and i feel like anytime you're dealing with cultural movements like this i think it does benefit you to have more pull with that group because there are plenty of people out there who write manifestos, write beliefs, advocate for things that no one cares about. And are like, we, we talk about activists all the time, that mm-hmm. a lot of what activists do is a moot point. Um, and it's easier, I think, for us to rally around figureheads. Well, those figureheads become like how much cultural weight they're able to throw around has a lot to do with how many people are willing to follow them Mm -hmm. and adhere to what they're saying and buy their books, you know, and reference them and spread it word of mouth like evangelicals might, you know. And I I personally think that that's one of the things I, I don't like about... I'm not good at any of those things, and I do not like that that is how things seem to just kind of work culturally for people. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I think that that much, that is like the, one of the foundational things that allows religion to be as harmful as it is. Like, there are other things that religion does that allows it to be harmful, but 
just this i just this idea of guys you know person gets out there and says what we're all thinking right you know and because they said it 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 holds weight and then real change becomes of it like you know it defeats the point i feel like of it almost feels like a hack on democracy as well because instead of fighting with you know swords and guns or whatever you know we're, we're actually fighting over hearts and minds you know mm-hmm. i think is the polite way that they would put it um but just like any other normal kind of war people do stuff like this and it's disingenuous and wrong and um i don't know i just feel like there's i don't understand why we can't just look at the beliefs themselves and see whether they're right or not and exist in a space where you know, that's a bit more tolerant. Like, I feel like anytime there's a, a lot of emphasis on, like, how people believe about things, you're running along the lines and edge of, you know, cultural conflict uh, in the way of, like, well, like what we saw in, they, they, they always seem to bundle up kind of similar to, like, ethnic cleansings and things like that, but less so about the people, but more so about their ethics, like an ethic cleansing if you will i don't know but you know what i mean like i i agree with like i like even the things she's fighting like i i disagree with this idea that there are people out there who because they believe one they are of one faith well all these other faiths are inherently harmful in some Mm -hmm. way and so instead of just saying hey we oppose the things that would be put forward by this that's not enough like we're worried about ideas becoming catchy and spreading and so we're going to make examples of people who hold these beliefs early enough on to crush them out right and i feel like that's one of the ultimate logical conclusions that you can come to when you start engaging in it like this is that well even if my idea is really popular now it may not always be you know and so how do i keep what i've got and how do we keep things from changing and then you end up with like really draconian you know, measures where we, we do censorship, you know, book burnings, people burnings, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like this, uh, it's also interesting to me when this behavior happens on like an individual scale, like on a smaller level scale, you know, Mm -hmm. um, did we ever do an episode on like virtue signaling in general? I don't think so. I mean, I think it'd be worth talking about a little bit um what what virtue signaling is because i think by this time most people have probably heard of virtue signaling maybe well yeah it's certainly a buzzword um so i mean virtue signaling is is what is written on the tin it is sending a signal of your supposed virtues right and the goal of doing that is to appease a certain crowd um and it, it, it's it's more political tribalism of you know like demonstrating to your peers that you think the right way yeah i actually looked it up just to get some additional research you know hot and fresh research in here mm-hmm. on philosophers um it's got the derogatory warning next to it which i think is yes funny. it is derogatory yeah I, I get that but like i don't know like i i'm used to hearing derogatory being like oh synonymous with things you shouldn't say about people well, no, it's just rude. What, virtue signaling or saying that someone's doing that? <laughs> yes. Um, well, I, I guess the thing is that it, 
if I if I accused somebody of virtue signaling, they would probably be, I should expect them to be offended at that. Yeah. Um, like the definition that goes along with that, I mean, you nailed it pretty close. It's a public expression of opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or social conscience or the moral correctness of one's position on a particular issue. Right. And especially that latter part. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Which I think ultimately <clears throat> identifying with, with a certain way for political reasons is just a more extreme form of virtue signaling. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, so let, let, let me let me give the most extreme example of this that I've ever heard of, um, which is the, also the first example I ever heard. Political lesbianism. Yeah, I've heard of this before. Yes. Um, so where at least... So, now, I have no idea the, the proportions here, but at least some uh, fringe sect of feminists... Uh, reasoned that well okay the greatest conflict of interests uh for women and feminism is their interest is their sexual interest in men um and so if we just eliminate that from our lifestyles then we can stop being corrupted by the patriarchy or whatever um and so this fringe minority basically just said okay yeah well we're just going to be done with men we'll, we'll we'll just have sex with each other i guess um and that that's that, yeah, that that's the most extreme form of of uh, political identitarianism that I've seen. I'm uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article on political lesbianism, mm -hmm. and uh, do you know what the flag of the political? They have a flag. They have a flag. <laughs> yes. Do you want to guess what lesbian feminism's flag looks like? It's I think it's called the Women's Liberation Movement flag. All right. Great. So, so it's a purple-ish, like a light purple background. Okay. There is a black inverted triangle pointing downwards in the middle. Okay. And inside of that is a white double-headed axe. <laughs> like, I'll show it to you. Wow. Yeah. It's a very, mil it's a very militant flag. <laughs> well, yeah. Obviously. It, but it's just funny. Um, religions of peace and all, you know? Like, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so political lesbianism originated in the late 1960s amongst second-wave radical feminists as a way to fight sexism and compulsory compulsory heterosexuality um sheila jeffries helped to develop the concept when she co-wrote of course she co-wrote it um in the 1981 love your enemy question mark the debate between heterosexual feminism and political lesbianism with the leeds revolutionary feminist feminist group <laughs> they argued that women should abandon the support of heterosexuality and stop sleeping with men while encouraging women to rid men from quote your beds and your heads while the main idea of political lesbianism is to be separate from men, this does not necessarily mean that the political lesbians have to sleep with women. Some choose to be celibate or identify as asexual. Crazy. Yeah. So basically, the feminists who jumped straight to the point and uh, said the quiet part out loud of men are the enemy and we're yeah. just going to totally dissociate from them. Yeah. And if you need to fulfill those needs, then... You know, do it with a lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah, it's gross. It it's dumb. Yes, it. Ugh. Anyway, yeah, that's. I'm gonna punish myself for political reasons. I guess. Ugh. <clears throat> I mean, I guess there's also self-immolation. So I guess you know. <laughs> yeah, but that people one aren't willing to go to extreme ends to send a message. So. <laughs> 
and also talk about an effective means of doing so if you don't stop doing this i'm gonna light myself on fire what or i i just did light myself on fire did, yeah. because i hate everything that you stand for Art, and i'm not gonna take it anymore very effective though yeah that sends a message it really does okay which is a more effective message self-immolation or hunger strike Oh, self-immolation for yeah, sure. I, I would say so. Yes. You, you're so serious about this. You're you died in a horrific yeah. I'm not just going to threaten to die. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm going to kill myself in the most horrific way possible. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Goodness gracious. Like. I mean, I guess I don't know. I can't. I can't get on board with that. Like, well, I, no. I feel like I, I would never recommend that anyone do that. No, of course not. I also think what's particularly effective about it is the is just how illogical it is. Like it's just so unsettling to us that we can't stand seeing it. You know, like um humans I feel like by and large do not like suffering, like especially obvious physical suffering in the way that like it's one thing for example for people to look at what some people call suffering and say I do that all the time or I would do that, like that's not that bad. Mm -hmm. But nobody looks at someone self-immolating and go, I mean, I burnt my hand yeah, on the that's stove. Just, that's, that's just Wednesday for me. <laughs> that's I mean, just Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like hunger strikes, we've all okay. It's tangent. The overuse of the word "starving" in the West. Yes, hilarious. Like I'm starving right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I haven't eaten in a few hours. Yeah. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I this haven't is, eaten since lunch. This Joe. is torture. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm dying. But the fact that we inflate that feeling with like, you know, the fact that people can actually survive without food for weeks, mm -hmm. actual starvation. Um, yeah, I think that's what makes it less effective is that it, once you can understand the concept, like just burning yourself a little bit on a stove sucks a ton. Oh, yeah. It, it sucks. And way... you'll be hurting for days. Yeah. Yeah. And then imagine lighting yourself on fire. Oof. Like that times a billion and then you also die yeah, at the end yeah i'm pretty sure that's like scientifically the most painful way to die i don't doubt it i mm, i would put maybe advanced radiation sickness ahead of that there's just something i think I, well in terms of like acute pain well, what do you mean by acute in that case okay the reason i say scientific i mean like based on the impulses that are sent by pain receptors I don't know. Burning. I, I've read some accounts of the people who like died at the end of, as a result of like Chernobyl, mm -hmm. like, like when your blood vessels are unable to hold blood because they're sieves essentially, because mm -hmm. there's just microscopic holes perforating through them because the cells aren't rebuilding. Like mm -hmm. that just sounds horrific and your skin's peeling away and you're like, I feel like you get a lot of the same pain that you would from burning because now, like, your subdermal layer of skin is just exposed to the air, which is extremely painful for people. But you're not burning, and you live way longer. I don't know. It's up there, though. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to dispute that burning alive is up there. But, like, if someone offered me the choice between burning alive and, like, or we're going to megadose you with radiation and you'll die in a few weeks... I would take burning alive because it's at least faster. But if someone's like, we're going to, we're going to burn you, but then like put you on life support. It's like, man, that's all awful. Can we mm -hmm. just not, can, can we just firing squad me, please? <laughs> like, Oof. Um, anyway, back to core, back, back to the point of this episode. <laughs> We've gotten way off track. Way off track. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like any time I'm going to make a claim here. Any time, uh, 
if you're a part of any movement in which you see people or you feel the need to virtue signal, it's probably a crap movement. I'm going to put that out there. There's authoritarianism involved somewhere. I And here's why I say that. It, because everyone's wrong except for us. Yes. And we're not authoritarians. <laughs> and and why do it? Like, it's... I, I feel like people virtue signal because we'd like acceptance. Yeah. But why do you care so much about being accepted? Right. And I feel and like... And if the answer is because we're going to exert political... Our political will on people... Because being in the out, in. yeah, and what are the consequences of being in the out group? If those right. are high enough, people will feel compelled to virtue signal. Yeah, and that's a bad movement. Like, I don't know. Like, you you can advocate for your position without advocating for the death of others or the outcast of others. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know. Like, it just. I don't like it. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be the death of others either. Like, okay, I mean, reasons. Okay, I think. Okay, let's back it up, though. Okay, why are people afraid of being in the out group? I don't necessarily know that it's because of a rational consideration of the consequences of being in the out group. People do have intuitive fears of being outcast. That's because in history, (laughs) there were real consequences, and that's just baked in our genetics now. Yeah. But I can't help but feel that people doing the virtue signaling also makes it easier to feel like you hold more weight than you do. Like, let's talk about the canceling movement that's yeah. going on. Like, and it's not a movement because not one group is doing this. It's just a new... right. No one's marching in the street to cancel well, people. Like, <laughs> well, well, okay, maybe sometimes. But... Maybe sometimes, you know. I guess but the, the, there's not an identity of like okay the cancel culture is not a brand that people put on themselves. No, it's it's just a modern form of witch hunt is what it is. Right. Um with I found somebody with the wrong opinions let's ruin their lives. Right. Yeah. Arguably not as bad as actual witch hunts where if you get caught out and like people who get canceled do not get strapped to wooden stakes and burned alive. Or hanged. Or hanged, or pressed, or any of the other... Or other means of torture, yeah. yeah, Medieval ways of dying. Um, But due to how important social media and... I guess the fear of large, unfeeling corporations about being jaundiced in any sort of way... You know, because I don't think, like, it's kind of funny. I feel like for the longest time, companies really wanted to cement themselves as being the good whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, I feel like it's more about not being the bad. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need to prove, and and it's because if you stick your neck out there to try to prove that you're the good whatever company, like, we're the good pocket watch company. Mm -hmm. If you stick your neck out and make that claim... It's like going on the internet and saying that you have the right idea about something or that you're right about something or just claiming something to be true. There will be a neck there. There's a whole army of keyboard warriors waiting to annihilate you. They're on patrol looking for that opportunity to be like... The monitors are here. "Mm, Actually, uh, (laughs) like, like be the Swiss army knife company, right? I don't know if they have a social media presence. I'm not on social media, but I'd be willing to bet if someone at the Swiss Army Knife Company put out there that, hey, Swiss Army Knives have been some of the best knives since this year. 
And they just stopped there, full stop. Like the most bland marketing post ever. Mm -hmm. Someone will be in that comment section in two seconds talking about how the year's wrong. Um, Best is a subjective opinion. And if you were to form an objective, and they would form an objective basis for categorizing knife companies, and then they would go out and find Here's some my other company. Pocket knife tier list. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it just gets shredded, you know? Ugh. And that's like getting own zoned in the public square. <laughs> this this reminds me of a funny thing that I saw though. <laughs> Uh, th- this has definitely been circulated around a lot, so it's not a not a new uh, thing. I think it was um, Joe's Crab Shack <laughs> made, <laughs> okay. a, made a post on Twitter, and they're like, and it, again, bland corporate advertising. Make sure you try our vegan options, and then someone re- and they had like a a photo of the menu or something like that. Um, and someone tweeted back at them like, hey, the whatever is not vegan. And then their response was, yeah, we don't care. <laughs> you know, there is a huge missing void right now. We need to run the foremost internet online repository of canceled things. Okay. Yeah. Where you come make a claim that some... You know, like... We just need to borrow the extinction scale, like the, you know, I'm talking about for endangered species and such. There's okay, like this hierarchy. Yeah. We need to just make a carbon copy of that hierarchy for cancellations of things. Like this is the least canceled, like the least threatened of being canceled to like very threatened of being canceled to, and then extinction is like officially canceled. And then just let people vote things up and down to get them to that point where it's like, congratulations, we mission accomplished pop the champagne boys it's been canceled even though literally nothing happens in reality right um i i wonder if do you think this i think the canceling is dumb i i think it's stupid arguably it does have somewhat of somewhat of an effect but i don't i don't actually understand or know the weight of it like if, well, say, I think it depends. Like, say, for example, I owned a company, right? Mm-hmm. And someone said, I'm going to cancel your company for literally any reason. The only reason I care is if it affects my bottom line, right? Right. If there's actually an effective boycott of your company. Yeah. Yeah. And I get how canceling is trying to be the modern day boycotting, right? Yeah. I, well, the, the, the thing is that well, it's funny you should say, like, if I own a business. Well, business owners are the most immune to canceling, usually. Because... Okay, the ways. Okay, there, there, there are a couple of things that I can think of that people go after if they're trying to cancel somebody. the The first is just like public shaming, right, on social media or whatever. That's the the lo- the lowest hanging fruit that you can do um, is just try to ruin their personal reputation. But the the next step where the crazies come in is they actually like track down this person and talk to their boss, right, and say, "Oh yeah, this person is is a bigot or whatever." Um, you know, try to get that that company's HR involved to get that person fired or whatever, because you wouldn't want to be a company who hires bigots, right? But business owners are generally immune to that kind of thing because they own the business. They're not going to fire themselves. Yeah. I was looking to see if there's like someone has put together a how to cancel somebody manual. Yeah. 
um well not a manual but like what are the stages mm. and so far vice was the only one that i've seen and this is the stages but their stages are dumb it's the offense like the thing that you do mm-hmm. the apology that you make so it's a presupposition that you're going to give an apology and then well yeah that's the that's the initial damage control yeah you say something you say something that people find offensive there is public outrage and then your most obvious initial damage control is sorry i didn't mean it which is a mistake the heritage foundation actually has an article on this okay (laughs) the seven steps to surviving cancel culture (laughs) what is going on oh god why do people care this much oh anyway yeah so I, I get what you're yeah, saying. It, it is also funny that people panic about cancel culture. Like, okay, I don't approve of of cancel culture, but also, let's be realistic about the scope of its effect. Like, most people are not really in a position where their real life is going to be affected by this. No. Like, most people are not visible enough on social media for them to for their bad opinions to even be discovered by the mob. Right. Or to get the mob to care, because if you right. if you were a member of the mob and you're like, hey, that guy over there, that father of two made a workout called the 12 years a slave workout plan. Right. Which is the example given in the Vice article. I'm not creative. Um, We should cancel that guy. Right. The mob would have to look at like why. Like, I, I really do feel like the mob there's there's a matrix that goes into figuring out whether or not there's effort that deserves it the effort it? yeah and half of it is did the offensiveness of the thing done but the other half of it is who even are you like what are we going to get out of canceling this person like is it going to be important like this is why i think you see celebrities getting canceled over exactly. minor yeah, things and celebrities or pe- people people of some notoriety Mm-hmm. like yeah real celebrities but even also like internet micro celebrities right but yeah people with a following right yeah um <clears throat> man we were originally talking about wearing your okay we, we went down the banner of cancer culture here mm-hmm. i i I also feel like the efficacy of cancel culture depends on how closely your life revolves around social media and Twitter because like the ability to be canceled. Like, for example, if you work in a big company, you you're actually probably higher up on the risk scale of being canceled because the big company does not have time or resources or care to put those time or resources towards figuring out whether you're actually horrible or not. They don't want the smoke. They will just fire you and get it over with and move on because you're probably pretty replaceable. Well, yeah, you're just a small cog in the machine anyway. Yeah, the smaller the business you work at, the less likely you are to get canceled. Um, the more important you are, and by that I mean actually important to the, a company's success, the less likely you are to be canceled. And I think, I also feel like, I don't know if you can go so far as to say that businesses have political affiliations, but they definitely do, right? Like, I, I don't know how many woke logging camps there are out there or like, you know, progressive oil drilling platforms mm-hmm. there are out there, but I doubt it, you know. Um, also, I, I, I'm of the opinion that if you get fired because you got canceled, that's a dumb company anyway and you shouldn't work for them. 
you know, like, sure, do better, go elsewhere. You know, there are options out there. They can cancel you, but they can't cancel your options necessarily. And if anything, they'll help you narrow down a good place to work. Um, what's weird about it, though, is that I actually am okay with, like, what cancel culture is, I guess, replacing, which is boycotting. Like, I do actually advocate to people to vote with their dollars. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing, you know? Like, canceling a person versus canceling a company are two different things. Yeah. Um, Not wanting to give your money to a particular company that does the thing you disagree with, I totally agree with. Like, I have no qualms about people saying, I don't want to give my money to Bud Light because they support some agenda. If they're against that agenda or perceived agenda, whatever, that's fine. Then just don't give your money to them, whatever, you know. But going after individuals, I think, is borderline a form of harassment like that. Well, it is, yeah. Um, so I tend to be against it. Man, we are like way off track on this episode. We are. I'm sorry. Um, I, I can tie it back. I think one of the worst things you can do when being canceled is to try to virtual signal your way out of it. Yes. Because it goes to show how little that virtue signaling actually matters. Like that's virtue signaling. I feel like is largely just a form of camouflage. Yeah. To avoid the strike, but once the strike is in progress, no one cares how camouflaged you are at that point. You've been you enemy spotted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so you might as well duck and cover that off. Um, and I do think that there are quite a few people that, in their personal life, do start making decisions and changing their beliefs based on their politics. See, I told you I could bring it back mm-hmm. to the original topic. Um, can you think of like examples of people that you've met in your daily life that, you know, they were one way and then because they picked up some other belief or because they picked up some belief, they did something that seemed totally incongruent to what they actually believe just for the sake of their politics? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can't speak to specific examples, I guess. But I mean, yeah, I, I've definitely met people who... um yeah maybe they either like went to school somewhere or they yeah picked up one political belief and then like you just you just watch you watch the conformity kind of uh happen the the um yeah there's there's a feedback loop and they just they they fall into into step with the crowd i do think one of the biggest places i do see that happen is during college like Mm -hmm. i i had the luxury of going to college with people that i knew from high school now, high school is a place, for those of you who don't know, where you do and say all the terrible things that you're going to get canceled for later. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's college for some people. But, like, a lot of us, it's in high school. But I, I distinctly remember... And it also depends on, I think, what department you go into. Like, like what department you're in. So, like, I, I went to school for engineering. So, that is a very objective department. that They don't really have time for politics. But I knew people who went into, like, business college. Yeah, Bridges... Well, uh, uh, well, I know you have your own biases against civil engineers, so I'll, I'll but so they don't exist. But like, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it's like br- bridges don't care if you, you know, what 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 you think about trans people or whatever. No, they stand up or they don't. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who designed it. it paint, paints paint. It doesn't. Re- well, I say that it actually sometimes doesn't matter what color the paint is because yes. they all have different. Because by the way, the color comes from what it's made of. Well, no, I mean, blue like, paint is not made out of the same stuff as red paint. 
that, literally. That and different paints absorb different amounts of light, yes. which convert to heat, and over a large enough area, it can become a problem yes. on the underlying structure. Not the point of this episode, although no. I'm sure there'd be an interesting two-hour-long video that someone goes into that on that I'm going to probably look up later. But... But yeah, it doesn't matter. But I know people... The, 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 the never-ending war of designers versus engineers. Well, you mean the people that actually know what they're doing? And yeah, the, the people the people who have a vision and the people who actually have to put it together. Yeah, right. Those people are always going to be at war. Oh, yeah. But I feel like you have like the STEM fields, which are very... Like, the politics do not matter, really. No. Um, having the right... The actual right answer matters not the not the answer that makes you feel good but the answer that is correct like the closest i think i saw was when we were doing engineering is efficiency gained an extra reason for being important mm -hmm. like for example if you were going to design something like, like a machine or some system you may actually factor in its environmental impact yes whereas in before you you wouldn't normally consider that and but to be fair, that's still not the number one priority and never will be. No, it does not matter how environment, you know what the most environmentally form of bridge is not having one. So, mm -hmm. well, since we're going to build a bridge anyway, like it can't I be, guess we don't care about that that much. Yeah, that much. Yeah. <laughs> but if you were like choosing between materials, it's like, well, these two materials are roughly equal. I'm going to so we'll choose on... the one that causes the least environmental damage to extract. Yeah. Or whatever. Or, or whatever. Produce. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like safety is number one. Like does the, well, actually number one is does the thing perform its given function? Yeah, does it even work? Then is it going to kill people? <laughs> is it going to kill people? No. Okay. Is it going to last a long time and have little maintenance? Yes. And then is it environmentally sustainable? And if you get to that fourth checkbox and the answer is no, you'll then go back up and see, is there any decisions you can make within the parameters you've already established that can improve that score without sacrificing from any mm -hmm. of the others? But you never start there and then work to the others. No. Um, I feel like there's a good, there's quite a few that are in the, the middle land. So like business school, nursing, things like that tend to be pretty middle um, because there's a lot of objectivity that goes into those, but there's also a lot of human interaction things that go in. And that's yeah, usually there's definitely politics. Yeah. Where you see that stuff kind of creep in, but then you have the things that we really don't need people to go to college for. Cause they're not really that important for society. Like, you know, musicians, teachers, things like that. You know, I'm, I'm just throwing darts all over the place or the people who get degrees that go flip burgers after school, like people who right. get poli sci degrees or psychology degrees and everything like that. Like those are rife with, that kind of stuff, you know, and there's a ton of virtually signaling going on there. And I, and I, and it is kind of a feedback loop. Cause I knew people that went to like business school that, you know, after a while, like after their first year, they knew all the words. Right. And, and maybe nowadays it's anybody who goes to college learns about the words. Like, you know, all the words you're not supposed to say, like you, you, you're taught the, the ways if, of the ways people can be offended. You, and I don't necessarily think that all of this is terrible, especially because a lot of universities take people from more isolated communities or insular communities and bring them into a common area where people come who like, I, I've noticed that like a lot of the people that um, were in the school administration and things like that, these are people that went to much larger centralized schools that can only employ so many people like that so mm -hmm. they end up finding their ways into higher education in other places that they may detest 
Um, but then they, it's their like goal and job to fix things, you know? And I think that there's something that feels rewarding to people because you feel more cultured being aware of the differences in people, but you can't, it seems these days, learn the differences in people without learning to like, like there's a strong emphasis on ensuring that every cultural difference is somehow respectable. You know what I mean? Right. When there's no real reason for it to be that way. No. Um, but it feels good to feel like you are more aware of the world from outside your pocket in it, right? And I think people are primed in college to go open their minds and expand their Well, yeah, I mean, that is the thing about the, the thing of college. Well, I mean, you are going there to learn something. But yes, the thing that a lot of people learn is like, or that a lot of people would like to learn is that, yeah, what are, what are things like that are not the immediate environment that I grew up in. Right. Right. And for a lot of people, this is the first time you're living in a place that's not where you grew up. Right. Too. So you're especially open to new things. I feel like as well. Um, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, but then it quickly kind of goes from there where you end up, you know, okay, well I now know that these are things that I shouldn't say, or it might offend someone if I say this. And then you go back home for like Thanksgiving or whatever. And you're now hypersensitive to everything that your family is saying. Yeah. All of a sudden, everything that you once knew is now recontextualized in a different light. And you feel like a bit of alienation. But also you make it your first experience in feeling righteous, maybe. Righteous, maybe. I, I feel like one other thing that happens here is like, I think, I think... Okay, this this seems to be a place where the phenomenon of like being offended on other people's behalf comes from. Hmm. Like, yeah, you go to somewhere like college and you learn about cultures that you'd never heard of before and or didn't really know anything about anyway. And you learn about all these things that are offensive that never would have occurred to you as being offensive before. And then you go back home to your family who has not heard these things and are saying that the offensive things, even though they don't mean them in an offensive way. And then, but, well, okay, I guess everyone might feel differently about this, but I feel like it's a very human thing, it, the, the desire to fit in, that you can actually start to, like, or actually, maybe maybe this is really just something for, for, for people like me. So I've talked about, I've talked about this before, how I, I, I have a natural inclination to be a rule follower. Yep. And I also have a disposition to like correct people that I think are breaking the rules. Even when, even if I don't think that the rules are correct, I still have a, a compulsion to tell people like, like to remind people that they're breaking the rules. And so I definitely have a disposition that if I, if I learn that something is supposed to be offensive and I, and, and I hear someone say it now, I, I'm not, I'm not the type to like stand up at the Thanksgiving dinner table and say, wow, that what you just said was really offensive. Somebody who isn't even here right now might be upset that you said that. Um, but I might like wince a little bit. Like, mm, you're you're doing a forbidden thing right now. <laughs> it's forbidden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's definitely a thing. And I and I and I I know people who are like that, <laughs> who who are hypersensitive to things. And 
and it, well, and it, people who are hyper, hypersensitive and are more outspoken than me about it. <laughs> um, and it's, it's an interesting thing to observe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how, how someone will, will in, will insert the feelings of people who are not even there and speculate about how they would feel about it and tell you why you shouldn't speak a certain way. Sure. Well, and I feel like also there's a part of it that feels a little bit like we have a tendency, I feel like to centralize things around ourselves. So for example, well, yes, I'm the main character, of course, naturally. So when you go to college, one of the things that is an extension of human empathy is understanding why that is like you will not be taught just that something is offensive. You will also be taught why and more importantly, how those people, how it makes those people feel right. Mm -hmm. Well, then you're going to start feeling that same way too when you learn that. Right. So now when you go home, you're primed to feel what you're supposed to feel when people break the rules or when they say things that you're not, that and not only that but then you put yourself in the shoes of the person saying it and you get this you get both emotions the shame that you would feel now that if you were to have said the same thing Mm -hmm. but also an awareness of the feelings that would be incurred by the person who would be offended so that's a powerful combination of feelings that i think results in an anger which is usually what you you see like I most of the people I, I know that go to college and then come back and are like, oh, they know about the world now, you know, mm-hmm. um, they're in the know, they're educated. Uh, I went to college. <laughs> um, when they hear the uncle, because it's always an uncle at the table, right? That yes. says the thing. Um, they get angry about it. They don't feel ashamed necessarily. They don't feel pity on the uncle who probably isn't aware of these things or let's be more honest, is totally aware of this and is doing it to get a rise because yes. they don't care. And it is fun to them to watch other people get riled up. Yes. So you're giving them exactly what they want, mm-hmm. you know, um, because that's how uncles are. Uh, <laughs> um, you, yeah, you don't pity them for being ignorant. You, you're angry at them for being ignorant. Like, And there's a big, I think, critical difference. Like, I... What is your opinion on pity? Like, if, if if someone were to walk up to you, David, and say, ma'am, I sure pity you for whatever, and just assume I'm plotting in something that is something that's somewhat unfortunate or whatever, but it doesn't really matter what the thing is. But if you were aware that people felt pity towards you, how does that mm. compute with you? Like, I mean, it really does depend on the specifics. Really? I mean... I'm not going to be pleased that they feel that way, but like, okay, there would be people who would tell me that they pity me for not being a Christian. Right. And I just don't care how they feel about that. Um, I would, I would probably just scoff and, and laugh it off. Like, I don't care. Hmm. I hate being pitied. Like it is one of the things that I find the most detestable. But like if someone, if someone said like, I pity you for being a white man, like, whoa, what do you mean by that? (laughs) Like that, that has some insidious undertones. Like, what do you mean? Are you some kind of racist? I don't know. I, maybe this was my upbringing, but I feel like feeling pity towards another person 
is one of the most heinous things that you can do to that person. Mm. I, I cannot stand it. Like, I feel like if if I, because like, people usually will not tell you that they pity you. Well, no. They, it's their actions that will like kind of let you know that they pity you. And it's ins- it's insanely insulting to me. It to is be very pitied. insulting, yes. And it bothers me to absolutely no end, you know? But for some reason, I feel like that doesn't... I don't feel like that's as common. You know, I... I feel... That a lot of people these days want pity. That's a whole different topic. And that'll be a segue into next week's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I guess back to the original topic at hand. Yeah, I do. I do think that people wearing the moniker of something they don't believe in for because it helps them fit in more with their crowd is cringe. Yes. Um, I see it happening more with conservatives these days because I happen to have it happens to be Thanksgiving time. Mm-hmm. I happen to have been around been around of, your conservative relatives. <laughs> I have. And it is very interesting to see my relatives who have had like very lukewarm opinions about things like the border or the culture. Like and they are not so lukewarm anymore. Yeah. You no, know, they, you know, they may have been very passionate about the economic situation of the middle-class American, but that has since evolved into, well, while I'm at it, we might as well build the wall, you know, <laughs> like, where did this come from? Where did this come from? Yeah. <laughs> where is it going? You know? Um, and I do feel like it has to just do with like, and I feel like maybe the more extreme you feel other people being about any particular belief you disagree with, the more you feel it is necessary to fit in and like not be caught out. Right. Mm-hmm. Be Get inside the gated community of your choosing. And, you know, they may not, care about all the things that you care about or they may care a lot a lot of things you don't care about but when in rome do as the romans do and let's just wear this moniker because and and people tend to like pick lessers of two evils you know and i feel like in particularly polarizing times people are way more likely to sacrifice on beliefs that are less important than others like if the most important issue to you is like abortion for example which is a very interesting one because that has got a lot of messy implications. Yes. Um, but if you are pro-choice, you better get ready to also give up, you know, like your guns. You better be on board for universal health care. You yeah, better that's... think that, you know, trans women are women. Like, you, you need to accept all these other things, too, to be invited right. to you the... Need, yeah, you have to pick your most important thing and then just be willing to sacrifice whatever else about your beliefs... And I feel like the particular example you gave with Ayan Hirsi Ali, like, I feel like her most important battle she's ever picked was against Islam, Mm -hmm. like, and Islamism or whatever. Like, I think that she said it herself enough that, like, it is one of the greatest threats to the modern prosperity is the spread of, you know, radical, violent Islam, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think she even goes so far as to say that all Islam is primed to become this type of Islam, you know. So the whole thing's got to go, right? Or we need to stop it at all costs, you know? Like, I would not be surprised if she was opposed to things like immigration, something she benefited from, Mm -hmm. you know? Because we need to keep 
the quarantine we need to quarantine the islamic virus from coming to these countries you know um and getting a foothold you know and if i need to make you know bedfellows with christians to make that happen so be it you know it is worth it even though i think that christian like Richard Dawkins talked, you know, that he was asked a lot about it. And so was Christopher Hitchens about why they go after Islam so much. You know, why not Christianity? Why not this, that? And they're like, well, we do. Because the Christians are tame these days. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah, that they, there's no teeth in that line anymore. You know, their, their claws are clipped. Their teeth are dulled. You know, Mm -hmm. they, Christianity is not out there inquisitioning like it was, you know, back in the day. Right. When's the last time someone got burned at the stake? Like, it's been a while. Well, I'm sure you could find an example, but largely speaking, you know, for the for the size of the global population of people who would call themselves Christians, the market percentage of, like, extreme things done by those Christians is still pretty small. Right. But, to be fair... N- to Christopher and to Richard, they never even, they never got out and saddled up with Christians over it. They, they at least held their ground on no Christianity is still bad, but they're not even worth talking about because they're so right. That's a solved problem. Yeah. But if they ever did start docile. Yeah. If they ever did start raising their, they Christianity is losing the battle to humanism. Right. In the West. Like, Christianity is on the way out in the West, right. especially during their times. It was in decline, you know, whereas Islam is on the rise. You know, the, the global population of people, of Muslims is increasing. You know, it's it's a much more popular religion. You know, we need to head this off. Um, but they never made peace with Christians over it. You know, and um, I do think it is not only extremely cowardly to do so, but I think you risk losing. You're playing with fire when you do that. You know, um, I do worry sometimes. Well, it's not, it's not principled. That's the thing. No. It's like, well, yeah. So if we're, we're going to talk about Dawkins and, and Hitchens, uh, the, the, the arguments they were making against Islam were logical ones, right? Mm-hmm. Which are the same ones that they would give against Christianity. Obviously, maybe they would sprinkle in a few things that are specific to Islam that don't apply to Christianity, but there's a lot of overlap. Um, and so if you're going to if you're going to make allies with the Christians to further your goal of going against Islam, well, you also have to concede reason. Yeah, because that's not on your side anymore, because then any any Muslim can just say, well, that's true of Christianity also. Mm-hmm. Um, probably. Right. So that's the thing is you you turn it into purely a political battle now. Yeah, which is you're going to lose. Like, I feel like politics loses to religion all the time. As a, if I were stepping back and looking at this, you know, from a strategic perspective, I think it's a losing battle in one of two ways, either because politics, politics is downstream from religion. Like, well, I I think, I think it's, I, I I just, I just think it's a, it's a, it's a better place to argue from that. Okay. It's a better place to argue from that Islam is just an incorrect idea than it is to say Islam is evil. Yeah, even if it may, maybe you maybe you could make a good argument that it's evil, but it's like it's a specific brand of evil, right? Right. It, it's the other evil. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the other risk you run is how do you combat Islam? You know, I worry about a 
revitalization of like other religious identities in order to combat Islam. Like mm-hmm. that is the last place that any true non-believers and anything want to be is a world in which you don't only have to hide the fact that you're an apostate from, you know, Islam, but we're from Muslims, but you also need to hide it from the Christians because now they're out there on the war path looking to crush, mm-hmm. you know, the Muslims. And I, I think we dodged a major bullet during the 9-11 incident because America could have become, you know, there, there was, I think, a large resurgence in like the Christian identity due to the events that happened on 9-11. But we didn't all of a sudden become a Christian nation again out there on a holy war in the Middle East. Like it didn't happen uh, like that. Uh, it could have, though. Um, but... That doesn't mean that it couldn't happen now, you know, especially with, you know, other events that could go on, you know, because there's a lot of religious doctrine around that area of the world, especially in the Christian faith, because it's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And there's specific places that matter, you know, um, cough, cough, current historic event happening. Right. Yeah. That we aren't going to talk about because we want this to remain timeless to some degree. But yeah. like, but yeah, it's it's not a good place you want to find yourself. Like I I do not want to live in a country that is going going in and involving themselves in some war because a city that's name appears in the Bible or a country whose name appeared in the Bible a couple times is now at war. And you know what they say about the end times, right? Like that whole thing starts happening, you know. And I feel like giving concessions to that, and especially for someone like Ian Hersey Ali, like I I'd be curious to see what like Sam Harris has to say about this. I hope that he does his duty. I he's his duty as as Ian Hersey Ali's biggest fan. Yeah, and denounces <laughs> this. I I already just I do not like him for multiple reasons, but I will say I can at least see how he's falling in line with his principles on this, on some of the things he believes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so yeah, I I I'm I'm hoping that a lot of other people who are, you know pro-rationalism opposed to islam wouldn't then also start wearing the moniker of christian like i also think that it how this plays out also inform a lot of my opinions about modern atheism because i do feel like it is a largely divided and abandoned cause at the moment like very few people who are still talking atheism are out there still fighting the good fight against religion. So much of what's going on in the atheist community these days has to do with other progressive politics, other progressive politics, which I mean, but at least that's a battle worth having, right? Mm -hmm. Like how do we as atheists who are progressive by the nature of there aren't very many atheistic States out there these days, Mm -hmm. How do we advocate and marshal for our place in them, you know, as a group? Like, how do we advocate... Without getting entangled in other political things, yeah. Exactly. Like, why can't I go argue that the separation of church and state is important without also having to, like, give comment about what I think about gender studies being offered to four-year-olds in schools? Like, I shouldn't have to talk about that. It doesn't matter, you know? It shouldn't matter. But instead, there are atheists out there arguing that, yes... Atheism is the best idea, but, you know, and it's almost like seeing what goes on in religions from time to time, you know, where it's like, well, this guy was the guy. No, it was the other guy, you know, um, 
everyone's a Muslim, but we're going to divide ourselves over who was the right guy, you know, which, which was the, which was the prophet that we needed to listen to on this one, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. It's a bit, it's a bit disconcerting to think that atheism isn't above that as a belief, because I guess no belief is. Well, well, because atheism isn't a belief. That's the thing. It's a, it's a whole, it's a non-identity. It's an identity. It's a word defined by not being anything. That's true. But it does have, I think modern atheism does have within it certain beliefs, like the idea that religion and state should be separated. The idea that, you know, religious acceptance should not be a prerequisite to, to like societal success, you know, that, churches should not receive unique treatment like there are positive and by that i mean active beliefs as opposed to a non-belief they're all under the umbrella of this like what unifies part of atheism it's part of the atheist culture in our area but that's what i mean but that's what it is like beliefs don't advocate people do and people who are atheists are claimed to be well, right, but that's, yeah, it's because it's obviously in their own personal interest, right? Sure. Um, obviously, I don't want there to be a state religion. Exactly. And I think all atheists because should Because I know it's not going to be mine because I don't have one, right? <laughs> right. Um, but in lieu of that, like, what about the state's opinion on religious tolerance? Like, now you're getting into, like, hair splitting, where some people think that, okay, well... The state should be neutral on matters like circumcision because mm-hmm. that's people's choices, but they're kids. Right. So they're does the state advocate newborns, to yeah. protect newborns from their parents or not? Right? right. And that's where you get into where we all agree that the church should have nothing to say about this. So we should, for example, not support a government that like sets this as the default. But where do we go from there when it comes to mm-hmm. the state says it's whatever the parents want? Is that far enough, or is that not? Or do, is there more needed? For example, yeah. you know, which is anyway, not, yeah. Well, we went over time, and off topic. That's okay. In true philosophers' fashion. It is. Well, until next week, philosophers. Philosophers. <laughs> If you like the music in this episode, please check out Jippy on Bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com. Philosophers is supported by viewers like you. If there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future, please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description, or in the comments below. Thank you for listening.